0: Hello and welcome to The Tax File. I'm Ali Kasmi, and it's my pleasure to introduce my co-host Hector Kumar. Good morning Hector.
1: Ali. Ali, good morning. Welcome listeners again to The Tax Files, a monthly audio podcast where alongside an esteemed guest we'll be discussing the most pertinent topics for tax and accounting professionals, while also getting to know some key members of the tax industry just that little bit better. Ali, how have you been?
0: I'm really good, although I can't believe that we've already uh, had the first month go of the new year. So it just seems a bit disconcerting, but um, I'm ready making plans for my vacations.
1: Oh God, honestly, tell me about it. can't believe January's already done. Where are you thinking for, uh, for vacation, Ali? What's top of the bucket
0: list? Uh, well, last year I had occasion to visit the States and I'd forgotten just how much I liked it. So... Uh probably thinking about San Fran next year. What about you? Nice.
1: Well I'm actually in the States as uh as well this year. We should uh we should coordinate our uh, <laughs> our diaries and take the tax files abroad, I think, which <laughs> which will be Great fun. Idea. I'm actually headed to, um, and all of our listeners will love this. For anyone that's an absolute um, Elvis nut, I am the daughter of an absolute Elvis fanatic who, for his 60th birthday, is taking myself and our entire family out to Memphis, Tennessee for, uh, for a week at Graceland, which um, <laughs> which I'm a little bit nervous about, uh, but it should be a lot of fun.
0: Wow. That yeah, sounds great. Amazing. I remember watching all the. Elvis movies when I was young. Um, yes, I'm Have not, not going to sing now.
1: <laughs> well, save that for the rapid fire, Ali. <laughs> Come on now, you'll be a treat for all of our uh, all our listeners. <laughs> well, viewers, thank you for. Thank you for joining us again for the eighth episode of The Tax Files. Joined by the esteemed Dr. Kunke Petkova, advisor to the German Federal Ministry of Finance. Kunke works as an advisor to the Federal Ministry of Finance in Germany. She's in charge of the OECD two-pillar solution, addressing the tax challenges arising from the digitalization of the economy. She also coordinates the tax-related topics for the G7 and G20
0: meetings. Fantastic. Great to have Kunkka on board. Um, Welcome. We will be discussing, um, talking about Kunkka's career journey, a little bit about the thoughts on some of the tax developments, key discussion topics, and uh, lastly, but importantly, we will be exposing her to our rapid fire round.
1: I hope you're nervous, Kunkka. Welcome to the Tax Wars.
2: Hi, guys. Hi. Um, I'm very delighted to be here. And I have to say that I'm your biggest fan. I have listened to all of your podcasts. And I think that this initiative is really great. Oh, well, we like fans. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, (laughs) you'll be uh, you're our number, you're lucky number eight, Kunker. So we've been so looking forward to this uh, to this podcast. How's your week been so far?
2: Thank you. Yeah, so it was a busy week. Um, last week I was in Paris because we had um, a few days of negotiations, and I'm happy to be back in Berlin. And it's very cold outside. It's really cold.
0: Fantastic. Well, Kunka, it's great to have you on board. And whenever I think of you, I think of, uh, what's that German word? Wunderkind. So, you know, you're one of those people who's achieved so much and uh, and still retained your useful looks so i don't know what's going on but uh, i really want to know the secret of that uh, magic formula you've got going but why don't you tell us a little bit about where you, what you've been up to a little bit about your career um which i'm sure our listeners are wanting to find out
2: oh you're really kind <laughs> i mean um, i can still preserve it um Yeah, so what can I say about myself? Yeah, so my name is Kunke, yes, uh, as you already know. Um, I'm working for the German Ministry of Finance. Maybe I can say a few words about myself and what I did in the past. Um, Well, I did my Bachelor in Economics and Business Administration at the University of Mannheim, Germany. And then I obtained my Master's Degree in International Economics and Economic Policy in Frankfurt. Um, after that, I decided to follow um, an academic path. Uh, so I um, went for my PhD. I had the opportunity uh-huh. to get an experience in the private sector. So yeah, um, I don't know, like maybe we can, I can tell you a few more words about why I, I mean, I don't know, like most of the people are asking me when I meet them for the first time, why, uh, why you choose the academia industry over the private sector? Um, because they look at me and they're like, okay, most young people probably choose something different. What was the driving force behind this decision? I don't know whether this is interesting, but maybe I can say a few words about this if you want.
1: Kunka, we of would course. love to Cunca. hear. <laughs> yeah, we would love to hear. I mean, you've achieved so much over your career. You've, you've kind of, as you say, experienced so many different sectors and, and different kind of aspects and walks of life. How and what motivated you to, to kind of take the path that you've taken so far?
2: Yeah that's a very good question. Um, I don't know, I think that while studying in Frankfurt, um, I mean I had the opportunity to gain some experience in the private sector. I was uh, in the strategy department of Germany's biggest bank and in the big four, but I think that my work at the chair of public finance um, in Frankfurt was the key driving force behind my choice and I can say that my interest in academia work was born there. Um, I had contact to many PhD students and professors, um, especially to Professor Alfons Weichenrieder, um, who was one of my role models there. And this gave me the opportunity to get to know their work. And in this period, I also wrote my first academic paper, which was basically also the first one on that subject. Um, the paper was about the German Grundsteuer, um, or German real estate transfer tax. A very specific tax that is uh, charged upon the acquisition of real estate of part of it. And it's so funny because I still remember how much time I spent on wondering how exactly to translate this into English uh, because no one had written about it. (laughs) And um, yeah, and I mean, and then I remember also like how happy I was when I saw uh, that my paper was uh, cited in the annual report of the German Council of Economic Experts. And you probably know, because uh, in the U.S. there is also senior um, cancer, they basically prepare an annual report, which is published before or by the 15th of November. And then the federal government um, has to publish uh, its conclusions within eight weeks of the publication of the annual report. And after that, they had the opportunity to write a few articles on how this tax uh, could be reformed. And I was also invited to many conferences as a presenter. And I think this was like the turning point. I just realized that um, I want to deepen my knowledge in the field of international business taxation. And yeah, I mean, and therefore I had to turn down a few, I think, attractive offers Mm. by some leading um, management consulting companies. Um, Yeah, but I mean, I basically decided to devote myself to Mm. academic work.
0: So Kunko, I mean, just within academia, you've managed to work in places quite diverse, I mean sort of like from the Vienna University, where you know I, I know there's a lot of tax work going on there, you know, gone as far as uh, Berkeley in the US and obviously come to Oxford as well. I mean, what would you say you know sort of like really from a cultural perspective, what was different about these institutions and what did you like, uh, I mean, I'm very partial obviously to Oxford, but tell me about you know your experiences.
2: Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I would describe myself as a very cosmopolitan person. Um, I like being surrounded by um, international people and probably this was uh, the biggest asset of all this because I had really the opportunity to meet so many different people from so many different countries. And not only people, they were really experts in their field, and i could work with them um i don't know i don't know what was the best um they are all different um but in a good way um like um, so let me
0: rephrase that tell, tell us about the funniest experience you had uh,
2: maybe i mean you know like the cultural differences at the very beginning um i mean um this was also like my first time in the us uh, so for me um i had to use uh, get I mean, yeah, I had to uh, get used to certain things there. Um, you know, like um, in terms of, um, for example, I was very surprised to see how big the cars are, or how uh, you know. I, but this is like typical. I think it's not just me. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. My God, the, the the highways and everything
1: is just quite jarring, isn't it? When you're coming over from uh, <laughs> from Europe.
2: Yes, exactly. But I mean, this, again, it's something which is not um, related to academia. I think it's related to everybody who um, is there for the first time. Um, But it's interesting also in the sense that, um, for example, like in Berkeley, um, the circle of people there was like very small. And uh, I really saw how dedicated everybody is to his own research. Uh, Something really impressive. So you can see like people working in the library all day long. Um, in Oxford, again, yeah. Um, in Oxford is like a picture. It's like pictures. Uh, it's so beautiful there. Um, you feel like those vibes everywhere. So you just feel inspired. You wake up and uh, you want to write something. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, I think it's probably connected with the air there. But I've, I have never felt so productive before that.
0: Did you have a bicycle um, in
2: Oxford? Oh, good question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, even though I'm not a big fan of cycling, and people who know me they know that in Germany, again, surprise, surprise. But I don't cycle here, but like in Oxford, it's like a must.
1: And and to to I guess to take you right back then, so winding the clock completely back to sort of your decision to enter the tax world and the tax field in the first place. What was it about tax? that interested you? What was it that made you feel like, this is the route for me. I love the idea of going into the tax field.
0: I, yeah. I can imagine sort of like Kinka K- playing with other kids and they want to be pilots or train drivers. And kinka said, I want to be a tax advisor or tax academic.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Perspective> job, right? <laughs> no, I mean, I have to be honest. Um, I don't think that this was my um, dream when I was a child. Um, it just happened like this. Um, again, I think that um, this work in Frankfurt and the contact to so many PhD students and really helped me. And also the thing that um, I wrote a paper in this field. Um, and then, I don't know, like my interest uh, was born. Um, I started reading uh, more and more about taxes. Um, I met other people, I met other professors and somehow Yeah, I mean, it just happened. And you know, like, um, there are only two certain things in life, death and taxes. So, And I have to say that now working in that field, um, what I really like about taxes is that it's very dynamic um, Mm. and it's constantly changing. Um, I can't say this about the other fields. I mean, maybe there are certain fields uh, where this is the case, but I think that in most of the cases, it's not that dynamic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the key thing is you know, the people who get have that passion, like you do, Kinka, is once it, you get the bug, it's very difficult to do anything else because it is that dynamic nature that you're just reinventing yourself. Your subject matter is changing all the time. so You're always growing. It's not one of those professions where, you know, you can sort of like say, I've mastered it completely. You know, it's, it's just going to keep you on your toes, which is great. I mean, it's very cerebral. Hector, uh, yeah. you it's- must find that, you know, the kind of people you uh, place in different tax organizations. I mean, I suppose there's going to be something that really drives you, doesn't it?
1: Massively, I mean, much to what Kinka was just describing there, the rate of change in the tax world has really not only just driven policy, legislation, regulatory changes, but it's also changed the DNA of a tax professional, right? And changed the makeup of what individuals, whether it be big, large corporates, you know, the big advisory firms, or or kind of SME, uh, family-owned businesses, it's really changed the landscape and, and DNA of what people are looking for from a tax professional perspective. So really closely tied to everything you just described there, Kunkka, around constantly being kept on your toes and constantly evolving with the changing landscape, which makes for no two days to be the same, right? Kunkka, I am I am amazed reading through your resume every time I sort of have a look at it. Tell, our, tell us sort of what a typical day in the life of Kunker looks like, if there is one. As you say, no two days are the same, but for example, give us a snapshot of what your day includes at the moment.
2: Oh, wow. Typical day. Um, You're right. I think that there is no typical day. Um, And probably this is the aspect that I love most about my work because it's always unpredictable. Sometimes I think, okay, this will be like a very, very calm day. And then at a certain point something happens and um, I don't know, like I finish work at 11 p.m. Um, I think that probably the the reason for this is the international element because we have many national meetings and you know like the whole process is international that's why we have to coordinate this with many 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 countries um i mean you know that i participate in the negotiations so we um you know during the COVID, we had many of them in a virtual format so we just um um met you know like in the afternoon for a few hours um now uh, it's possible to meet in person so those meetings uh, take place in Paris. This means that um, from time to time I fly to Paris and we have like the negotiations taking place there, which is probably better because I prefer like the contact with people. It's like more personal. And I think it's even like more productive, more efficient. Um, So this happens from time to time. Um, And when I'm in Berlin, um, yeah, so I have many meetings, um, but I also have many documents I have to deal with, I have to analyze them. I have to discuss them with my colleagues from the other units. Um, so it's it's very very versatile. So like many meetings, but also a lot of work on my own um, analyzing the documents.
0: So you know, just one thing. I know that Germany, because you're associated with the Federal Ministry of Finance in Germany. So last year Germany was had the presidency for the G seven, and I know you were quite involved in that. I. I you know, how did you find that? I mean, was it was a full year project I mean, how, how did it work?
2: Oh, yes, yes, yes. So last year we had the G7 presidency and this was really a very high responsibility um, because our agenda was uh, quite ambitious and uh, we were glad that we could uh, fulfill all of it. Um, I mean, we had many uh, priorities during the G7 presidency um, regarding the taxes um, you know this two pure solution was one of the key priorities especially the implementation so therefore we had many meetings um, and we also um, asked the OECD to prepare a report on the further uh, strengthening of the tax coordination between um, um, different authorities so this was probably one of um, the highlights of our presidency and we had many 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 meetings um, of the finance ministers
0: and just in in that policy making process i mean what is the relationship with say for example with businesses i mean do you actively go out and get their input
2: um i mean when you talk about the g7 meetings uh, those are normally hmm. meetings of the g7 finance ministers and uh, central bank governors um, I mean, like the business is not directly involved in those meetings. But when we talk, for example, about the reform, because we had many public consultations, there we need, of course, feedback by the stakeholders, and we actually organize like many events like this. Because for us, um, the feedback has uh, always been very important. And um, at the end of the day, uh, we want, we need rules that are administrable. Uh, And sometimes, even if we think that something is easy to implement, this might not be the case because we don't know all the concerns of the business. And that's why we really try to organize meetings like this. But these weren't necessarily connected with the G7 meetings. So these were like separate meetings.
0: Sure. Uh, One of the other developments, which is quite interesting is, so, you know, a lot of the developing uh, countries, they gravitate more, you know, around the UN as opposed to OECD. I mean, do you see that change affecting the work that you're doing? Um,
2: Yeah, so um, this is probably also one of my personal highlights of the G7 presidency, but before I answer this, maybe a few um, words on um, the whole process. You know that we have uh, 138 countries and jurisdictions uh, that joined the agreement, and those countries are really different. So we have... um, big and small countries, we have developing and developed countries, we have um, jurisdictions with um, high tax rates and zero tax rates. You can imagine that their interests are yeah, uh, quite different. Um, but in every single country um, had to make certain concessions in the interest of achieving a broader agreement, as a result of which I can say that, at least from my perspective, the outcome is quite balanced. Um, and um, yeah, so I mean, the agreement reflects bridges basically built on the backs of difficult compromises made across all those continents. And uh, yeah, and in that case, also achieves in the face of challenging circumstances like the pandemic. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I was really impressed to see the commitment of all delegates and their willingness to compromise uh, together with a very constructive approach. Um, yes i mean i have to say that probably i mean some some people sometimes people say that um if um people are not 100 percent happy with uh, like with an outcome then this is the right outcome meaning that at the end of the day you have to make lots of compromises so it can be ideal um it's not the, i mean it's it's not ideal for anybody but um I think that the fact that they joined the agreement, that we got so much support shows that they, everybody believes that this is the right way forward because we don't have so many options. I have to say that, for example, now, um, for me, it's really important that we um, we um, help the developing countries in the building capacity. And this was basically also one of um, our key priorities during the G7 presidency because we understood that... Um, For those countries it's really hard to implement this reform because sometimes they have like a very small ministry probably they have like a team I don't know like three four people and they deal with thousands of topics and um, and also like even like the language oh and that's why um, we also talk to the OECD and they promise us that uh, they will work on further reports and they are like sending people to those countries you know like even um, um, experts who will be there and will help with all this? Because really, I think that um, we are not in the same position. You know, like even for Germany, it's hard to administer. it. But uh, what about like mm. a small country? Um, so at the end of the day, yes, I think they—it's difficult for them. There are like some challenges. But I am just a little bit relieved to see that uh, we, but also the other G7 countries, um, understood um, um, those problems and will try to help.
0: Of course, I mean it's been—it's an interesting time to be going through with these international measures. But also, I think sort of like what's happening within the EU, that is quite interesting. I mean, sort of like uh, um, Paul Tang is doing some really interesting work at the EU level, uh, you know, given both teeth. But, you know, you mentioned about the international. I mean, do you yourself go out into the field? I mean, do you go to places like Africa, Asia, and so on?
2: Um, no, not yet, uh, but I told you that there is, for example, this um, initiative, mm-hmm. it's called um, Tax Inspectors Without Borders, um, right. and some of my colleagues are doing this, and I'm also considering this because I think this is a great initiative, and uh, if you look at the numbers, um, like what the real outcome is, it's, it's really impressive, it's amazing, so I, I will try, I hope that next year I will have more time, but yeah. um, I would be really happy if I could do it.
0: Ector, that's going to be an interesting career path going forward you know people who come into tax they could do something like that you know sort of like because the world of taxation is becoming quite complex internationally as yeah, opposed it's to sort a, of like a, that. a
2: full-time job i mean that you can go there like for a few weeks or a few months uh, it's just about the support and there are like different ways in which you can support them i mean it's not just money i mean like the financial aspect is important but sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you just need like the technical knowledge
1: Yeah. And it's just promoting that idea of kind of a cohesive global international tax system, isn't it? I think tax investigators without borders, you know, kind of at the moment with a with a tax system that at the best of times, perhaps from an international scale can be a little bit, you know, disjointed, depending on sort of where you're, where you're based or what the priorities are. But I think promoting, you know, kind of, that element of no borders between the countries and people sort of coming together to find a solution I think is a is a really important thing Kunka, you you touched on a on a point there around you know kind of no no agreement that is reached is going to satisfy kind of absolutely everyone or absolutely every country that's sort of on the roster. What are some of the biggest do you think or, or rather the the main skill that it takes to to go into sort of a room and and kind of negotiate something that is cohesive for You know, that that kind of gives people the majority of of kind of feeling satisfied with with kind of what you've come out of it with.
2: Um, I hope that I know the secret. (laughs) (laughs) Do share. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, um, you have to, of course, on the one hand, uh, you represent a particular country there. So, of course, you have to put the interests of your own country um, to the front. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind that you're not alone there. So there are like different um, stakeholders there and um, you have to reach a compromise so you have to understand the needs of the other countries you have to understand their priorities and you have to be willing to compromise because um, I experience a lot of um, professional people like re- really good in their fields but without any willingness to compromise and I mean this is I mean it's not going to work I'm not saying that you have to sacrifice so much but you have to be um, realistic, and I think that being realistic is one of the key aspects here.
0: Oh, one thing I was—I I was earlier this week hosting someone from Denmark, and there was a lot of discussion around just the public trust in taxation system, which obviously got shaken with what happened in Denmark. And obviously, sort of like you're based in Germany, and of course, you've had the whole Cumex scandal take place. I mean, uh, do you have? you know what's your view on the importance of public trust
2: oh yes this is essential and this is probably one of the reasons i i'm really happy with the outcome of this 2 pure solution because i believe and i mean i hope so uh, that the agreement will also help the global recovery and boost this public confidence um because you know that um during uh, the covid crisis a lot of people were um, they kind of lost the confidence and um, we were in a very bad economic situation um you know especially with some of the companies uh, that were um at the center of the attention you know like uh, the highly digitalized companies uh, that benefited a lot from the crisis um and you know like people um started talking about um tax fairness uh, they kind of for them, it was it wasn't fair that, for example, like um, a, um, an ordinary person on the street, you know, like he pays like forty percent tax, but they are like big companies uh, that don't pay any taxes at all. And uh, this was one of the driving forces, and um, and you, because and people really wanted to see like um, a solution there. And that's why we had this uh, pressure, like the social pressure. And we, we, we needed to succeed. I mean, we had no, we had no choice exactly because of this um, pressure.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, what I would like to do is just sort of like ask you to, you know, maybe look into your crystal ball five, ten years from now. What are the kind of sort of like top tax issues do you think we're going to be talking about, you know, ten years from now?
2: Oh, um... Top five. Um, I mean, we have to deal with the mobile working, like the telework. Um work. Then um, we have to see what will happen with the digitalization. Um, I think that in many aspects we have to go digital as soon as possible. Um, I also think that the um, tax cooperation between jurisdictions uh, will be even more important. Um, so we have to find a way in which this can be fostered um i mean also um in terms of i mean there are like many many aspects but i would say that these three are probably the key at least for me at least for that moment but i mean as we mentioned at the beginning our field is so dynamic that i don't know who knows maybe in two months uh, the um, pressing topics will look completely different
0: excellent thank you for your insights that's really interesting and uh, you've kindly given us a introduction as to why you chose the dynamic world of taxation. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, by the way, you're the first tax academic we have had Mm -hmm. and a policymaker. So really interesting to hear your insights there. You talked a little bit about, you know, uh, some of the institutions, uh, the academic institutions and across the globe where you attended and the cultural differences um, and discussed the important work that you're doing around uh, pillar two, the German presidency, the importance of uh, the role and importance that the developing uh, jurisdictions play as well. And uh, then finally summarize for us um, some of the issues that we'll be be going to be confronting in years to come. Um, A very international uh, career and importantly I know uh, Hector likes to travel Hector when Künke is going to be in Davos next year I think both of us will sign up and uh, go along with her
1: <laughs> Absolutely we'll, uh, we'll we'll be the, the, the fan groupies essentially that <laughs> sort of come along
0: <laughs> well, um, So now over to our favourite round
1: kunker we're going to go from some very technical tax and policy um discussions into what can only be described as the most technical session of this podcast. The rapid fire round hopefully it is inciting tremors in all of our viewers' heart at the moment <laughs> we're going to give you some options kunker you've got to decide without thinking without you know kind of thinking about it too much on your preferences. So without further ado, are you ready? I am. <laughs> <laughs> right. What is your food heaven? Uh, Italian. What is your food hell?
2: Food hell? Um, hmm. I'm a foodie. I don't think that I have a food hell.
1: Coffee or tea?
2: That's an easy one. Um, I guess that everybody who knows me knows the answer to that one. It's tea and green tea. Nice.
1: US or UK?
2: Oh, <laughs> both. <laughs>
1: yeah. What's your biggest pet peeve?
2: I'm very, um, I mean, probably people who are late.
1: Okay. One of my pet peeves, too. What's I'm your sorry. biggest? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're looking at our other co host for all of our listeners. <laughs> what are three items on your bucket list?
2: Um, my iPhone. My um my book, like um, the book that I'm reading at the moment, and probably um my apples.
1: Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton? Oh my god. <laughs> no. None <laughs> Paris Hilton. Films or TV shows?
2: Films. I don't watch TV.
1: Zombies or vampires? Vampires. And lastly, are you a cat person or a dog person?
2: Oh, I like both. Both.
1: <laughs> oh, you've made it, Kunkka, You survived
2: it. <laughs> <Fantastic>. <laughs> you said
0: you're a film person, so tell us your favorite movie.
2: Oof. I mean, I like historic films, um, but I mean, if I have to show my romantic side, uh, I can also say that um, I used to like The Notebook a lot and also Walk to Remember. Oh. Two classics there. Ali, are you familiar
1: Did with both? You...
0: No, no, but they sound like weepies.
1: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what they are. <laughs> it's dramatic.
0: <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. My wife was uh, watching some movie yesterday and she cried throughout the whole movie and I said, why are you watching this? <laughs> you know, there's enough suffering in God. <laughs> in life. Anyway. Uh, so listen, uh, Kinka, we have people from all walks of life, uh, usually tax people, but we do get some, uh, my 11 year old nephew listens to it as well. What advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in the world of taxation?
2: Carry on and always expect the unexpected. Fantastic.
1: Kunker, thank you for being our guest on The Tax Files. It's been an absolute pleasure. And viewers, thank you for listening to The Tax Files. Please subscribe and get in contact if you wish to discuss any of these topics with us and our team or if you have any questions at all. To stay up to date with announcements, updates and guest reveals, please follow Hansuki on LinkedIn.
0: Thank you very much. A Pleasure to have kunka as our guest, a very special guest. And thank you to my co-host, Hector.
1: Thank you. Until next time.
0: Yeah.